right, church say amen. All right, if you need a lesson, they, these are all brand new. I hope you remember to bring your others back, but we're not even going to use them, so don't even worry about it. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you need a lesson? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. We want to make sure you get a lesson right there in the middle. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Everybody else, turn to 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and also, uh, also Exodus chapter number 19. Exodus chapter number 19. We are going to read a verse in 1 Peter, and then we're going to jump over to Exodus 19. Uh, tonight's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. We're going to uh, parallel the two verses uh, in, in 1 Peter chapter number 2 and then Exodus chapter number 19 and what God intends uh, for us to be. How many of y'all believe that God has got a plan? He's got a plan. He's got a plan for me. He's got a plan for you. Uh, God has a plan. One thing that, that, that God spoke to my heart about uh, just, just 10 minutes ago, uh, I was in my office fixing to walk over here, and there's one thing he wants you to understand, and I want you to get this. Please get this. Uh, throughout the whole lesson tonight, I want, you to, I want this to go over in your head, over and over and over and over and over and over and over, from the beginning to the end. It will really come together at the very last point, uh, but this is what I want you to understand and what God wants you to understand. I'm telling you, if there's ever been a time God spoke to me and said, go tell them this, it's this right here. God wants this world to know him. God wants this world to know him. He wants his creation to know him, to know him. Not know of him, but to know him. Not be familiar with him, but to know him. God wants this world to know him. Everything we're going to study tonight, everything we're going to look at tonight, everything we're going to read tonight, uh, keep going over in your head. The reason this is, is God wants this world to know him. When Jesus came, he came into his own and his own, they received him not. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know him. They rejected him. God has taken steps over and over and over again all the way through mankind's history so that his creation could know their creator. Now, with that being said, 1 Peter chapter number 2, in one verse, one verse, verse number 9. Have you found your spot? Say amen. 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 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now, he is speaking to the believers, the New Testament believers, or let's just say the church, the church in general. Uh, the church is all the blood walk. The, the born-again children of God, that is the church. Say this with me. I, I am the church. The church. I, I am the one he's talking to. That's it. Now, in, in the New Testament, or excuse me, the Old Testament, we're going to find a parallel between what he said in the Old Testament and what he said in the New Testament. All right? Now, watch this. But ye, the church, you, you and me, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, turn with me to Exodus 19. Exodus 19. Now, this is the, this is the, parallel, this is the parallel verse that we, that we read and study, uh, basically where Peter is receiving his inspiration to write what he wrote. Uh, this is where he finds this at. In Exodus 19, uh, God, God has led the nation of Israel out. 
Uh, they have come out of bondage. They have come out of Egypt. He has delivered them. Uh, they are at Mount Sinai now. They have traveled uh, a journey. Now they are at Mount Sinai for God to teach them and tell them the purpose and the reasoning behind him delivering them. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, we've got, a, we've got a whole nation here. We've got, we've got over a million people. Uh, they have come. Moses has led this group of people to the, to the foot of Mount Sinai, and this is what God tells them. Chapter number 19, 1. In the, night, in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. And they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I did bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure, hear the terminology, uh, the parallel terminology, ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. From verse number 7, verse number 7 down to verse 16, we find Moses preparing the people uh, to meet with God, preparing the people uh, to have an experience and an encounter with God. Look in verse number 17. Verse 17, and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to, to, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Uh, Lord, thank you for this good crowd. Lord, here uh, uh, on a cold night, Lord, to study your word. Help us to, 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 to retain everything we read. Help us to glean from your word tonight. God, I, I need a special touch. Lord, I pray, I pray that you'll help me. Give me the words to say, uh, Lord, help me to, uh, to teach in such a way that every single person here can understand it. And God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Remember, remember, remember throughout this whole study, throughout this whole study tonight, keep thinking and going over and over in your head, God wants man to know him. God wants man to know him. Every step he has taken throughout the beginning of time from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation is God's attempt for man to know him. Man to know him. Now, here in 1 Peter chapter number 2, we find that, that, that Peter is teaching us who we are. And we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know our purpose. Uh, you will never be fulfilled in life till you know your purpose for being here. Say amen. And, and, and I, I want to teach just a little while if you want to put a, like a side topic on this. I know we're, the, the series is called Facing the Fire. But tonight will be uh, uh, God's plan for man. God's plan for man. Now, we're going to go to Exodus. We're going to go look at this story and describe some things and teach some things out of there because it's so uh, what God had purposed and planned for the nation of Israel, uh, Israel failed. Israel disobeyed. God had a covenant with Israel. Uh, uh, God had a relationship with Israel, and Israel disobeyed. Israel failed. Israel went into idolatry, and they disobeyed God. And they did not accomplish the purpose that God had for them. So God went, and he had a new design. He had a new plan, and that was for the church to take up the responsibility that Israel had dropped and, listen, left behind. 
So with that being said, let's look at the first time in the first situation that we see where God begins to tell Israel what their purpose was in life and why he went and did what he did. Now, if you're taking notes in your notes, the first thing I want you to see, write this down. Number one, uh, the first thing we see is the reality that's explained. The reality that's explained. Before God says, this is what I want out of you, he says, this is what I did for you. Isn't that great? Before he has any kind of expectation, before he has any kind of commands, before he says, listen, any kind of demands whatsoever, he said, before I even, before I even let you know any of that, I need you to understand what I have done for you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Look in verse number three. Verse number three. And it says, uh, uh, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord God called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. He reminded them of where they were and what he had done for them. Did you hear me? He reminded them of where they were and what he had done for them. Before he gave an explanation or an expectation, he reminded them of who they were and what he had done for them. Who were they? They were slaves. Who were they? They were not a people. Who were they? They were the lower class. Who were they? They were in bondage. And what did he do? He brought them out with a strong hand. He delivered them, not with their power, not with their intellect, not with their input, but God did it all by himself. You say, what does that have to do with me? you got to understand something. Before God ever has an expectation for you, before God ever gives a command to you, before God ever says, I want this or I want that out of you, you need to understand something from him, what he done for you. You need to understand that you was a sinner undone without God or his son. You were out, listen, without life whatsoever. We had no ability to save ourselves. The psalmist said it great when he said, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my foot on a rock and established my going. Preacher, what are you saying? I was in a place where I couldn't help myself. I was in a place where I couldn't fix myself. I was in a place where I couldn't save myself and when I couldn't get to where he was, he came to me. Listen, he looked beyond, I love the song, he looked beyond my fault and he saw my need. I'm glad God looked beyond your addiction. God looked beyond your adultery. God looked beyond your, your filthy attitude. God looked beyond your lust. And God looked beyond your pride. And God looked beyond your stingy heart. And all he seen was people with potential. Hey, listen, the world had nothing for you. The devil had nothing for you. But God says, I see potential in those folks. And listen. I don't, don't get all bent out of shape when God tells you he wants you to be something and God wants you to act like somebody. And, and he said, oh, all these commands and demands. Well, have you thought about what he done for you? He delivered them. He, listen, they were crying out in bondage. They were crying out, oh, help us. Oh, help us. And he went and found a man by the name of Moses in the middle of a desert somewhere and spoke to Moses and said, go set my people free. Hey, when you wasn't looking for him, he came looking for you. 
That dog will hunt right there. Amen. How many of y'all are glad God came looking for you? Listen, the reality that's explained, you realize he don't need us. He don't need us. In Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, there's another verse that talks about that talks about him choosing the nation of Israel. You know, we, we, we see the term a chosen generation. And in Deuteronomy, it says this. Now, you were not chosen because you were a great people. You were not chosen because you were good. You were not, he said, because you wasn't a great people. He said, you were chosen because of his great love for you. Well, I don't know about you. But now, just to know that he chose us, and that's all coming from love. Not because we earned it. Not because we could do anything to get it. Not because we deserved it. Simply because he loved you. That's a reality. Listen, the reality that we see, two things. Write these down, and we'll go to the next one. Because I'll get caught up, and we won't finish again. Amen. Uh uh, he delivered, he delivered, and he defeated. Actually, A would be he defeated, but it don't matter, however you want to put it. He defeated. Now watch this. You got you to get this. You got to get this. He said, he said, you seen what I did to the Egyptians. Did y'all see that? He said, you saw what I did to the Egyptians. Now let's, let's dig into that a minute. Let's go back and, and rehearse a little bit. Now, now some of us say, well, we, we're looking at the flies and, 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 the, and the locusts and the, and the hailstorms and, and, you know, the, the, the death angel coming and all that. I think it's a little more than that. I think it's a little more than that. I believe it's this. I believe it's this. God stopped them at the Red Sea. Now, they're coming out, and they're excited. They're jacked up. Woo, we've been delivered. Amen. Are you all with me? Amen. They get to the Red Sea. Can't go nowhere. Now, you got to understand, they're following the leadership of the Lord. There was other routes out of Egypt, but they were following the leadership of the Lord. And the Lord led them to a dead end, the Red Sea. Now they turn around, and here comes this big cloud of dust. Oh, no. Pharaoh and his army's coming now. And he ain't real happy. All of Egypt has basically been devastated and decimated by the power of God. And, and by the way, if you want to really dig into this, we don't have time tonight, but if you want to really dig into this, if you go look at all the plagues, they all coincided with an Egyptian God. And God said, I'm going to show you I'm God over all your gods. Boy, that's, I wish we had time. But watch this. Egypt's devastated. Egypt's decimated. Their gods have been whooped. Now, why don't God just let them, let them buy and get on out of there? Why? Why? You know, have you ever wondered if God just wants us to have ulcers sometimes? Am I the only one who thinks that? Now, I know God can, and I know God has the ability to do stuff, but I don't know why he don't go ahead and do it before I worry about it. Am I the only one who thinks that? Now I'm thinking, all right, you were going to split the Red Sea. You did it. Why didn't you do it sooner? 
Come on, y'all. I'm not the only one who thinks this stuff. I'm, I mean, does that not make sense? I mean, if you was going to do it, do it anyway. Do it before they got there, and then we wouldn't be wigging out about it. But what happened? Here comes, here comes Pharaoh and the army. And they're right, and God puts a barrier. Man, I wish you could go study this and read This is so cool. He puts a barrier between uh, all night long uh, between uh, Pharaoh and, and, and the people so they can't get to him. And, and God says, I want you to, I want you to, you know, t- tells Moses what to do. Moses stretches out, and, 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 and the Red Sea opens, and <whistles> here come the people. And they get all the way across. Now, here's what I'm thinking. Before you release the barrier, shut the water. (laughs) Don't this make sense? No, that's not what he done. He moves the barrier. Now, here they come. Wide open to the nation of Israel. Why is not the water closing? Y'all know they asked Moses, come on, Moses, what's the Lord doing here? Here they come into the Red Sea, wide open. Here that army comes because they're, they're in hot pursuit. If Israel did it, we can do it. And then all of a sudden, when God got them right where he wanted them, he took their wheels off, literally. And the water crashed in and killed them all. Now here's the deal. Here's what I had to wonder about. Why did he do that? He could, he could have let the water come back and keep Egypt over here, the nation of Israel over here. But the Bible says that he destroyed their enemy in that water in the eyes of all the people. All the people saw what he did to the, the Egyptian people. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. These are former slaves who were enslaved by the Egyptians. These slaves are now on the run. You getting it? And you will stay on the run till what had you enslaved has been destroyed. Man, I got God bumps a hawk in by it right now, right now. <laughs> it's one thing for God to pull you out of that slavery, but it's another thing for him to destroy what it was that had you enslaved. What did he say? Did you see what I did to the Egyptians? You see, God didn't just save you. There's so much more to it than that. God didn't just give you a ticket to glory. God gave you a power over every enemy, over everything in your life. Does that make sense? The reality, the reality. This explained. Number two, number two. I wish I could talk about that some more, but we'll get number two. Uh, Let me talk about it some more. All right, 
he defeated the enemy. He defeated, he said, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians. But then, watch this. And how I bear you on eagle's wings. What's that mean? There's going to be times you don't think you can make it. And he's going to bear you up. And what he's trying to get us to understand, that thing that's had you about, what did, what did Jesus tell, what did Jesus tell uh, the man uh, uh, who was lowered down in the room uh, with, with the bed? He said, son, take up thy bed and walk. Your sins have been forgiven you. In other words, take up what's had a hold of you. Now watch. There's going to be times in our life, even though we've been, listen, the enemy's been defeated, we're going to need to be delivered. Even though the enemy's conquered, even though this, this and the war is over, there's going to be times when we're going to have to be carried by him. And I'm glad that we have a father in heaven who will bear us up on eagle's wings. And when we can't walk, he carries us. And he brings us through. Amen? Amen. Number two, number two. For real, this time, number two. We see the reality to explain. Look what, look what it says. He said, tell them, tell them. Verse 4, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I, I bear you on eagles' wings. Oh, I love this. I love this. Verse 4, and what did he do? Brought you unto who? Now, what did we say before we started this whole thing that God whispered in my ear in the, in the bathroom a while ago before I come down here? What, what? God wants this world to know him. I delivered you and brought you unto myself. Amen? I'm enjoying this. I don't know about y'all. Now, therefore, now, therefore, you remember when, when I told you if you ever read therefore or wherefore, you read behind it to see what it's there for? You remember? All right, he just said, I delivered you. He just said, I destroyed your enemy. He just said, I'm carrying you. Now, therefore, since I did all of that stuff right there, watch what he says, verse number, verse number five. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Number two, I want you to see the relationship that's expected. Because of the reality that we have found, he came to me when I couldn't come to him. He loved me when I didn't love him. He saved me when I couldn't save myself. He took the initiative. He took the initiative to come to where I was. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It is the, it is the, the gift of God. Therefore, since God has done all of this for me, since God has done all of this for you, since God came and found you where you was and, and brought you to himself, God wants a relationship with you. 
You see, this is the aspect of the Christian life that so many Christians are missing out on. And, and, and it's not necessarily that it's not available, is that they don't understand it. And they think Christianity is about showing up at church and hearing a little uh, feel-good motivational speech and then going back home and then, no. God didn't save you so just so you could make it to heaven. If that was the case, you'd take off the moment you believed. Why would he leave us down in this hell for nothing? Do you realize this is the only hell you'll ever experience? Isn't that great? But it still is what it is. Why would he leave us? See, that's not the... That's not the purpose of deliverance. The purpose of deliverance is so we could begin a relationship with him. He said, you'll be a peculiar people. Now, the word peculiar doesn't mean weird. Most people, most people have this idea that the word peculiar means weird or strange because that's the way we use it. But the word means special. It means with purpose, preserved. In other words, in other words, Y'all know that china that we're not allowed to use till somebody comes over? Yeah. It's preserved for a purpose. It's special. Y'all with me? That, 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 you know, that, that furniture and stuff that, you know, some people have whole rooms. You can't even go in unless somebody, you know, forget that. Say amen. <laughs> it's It's special. It's, it's peculiar. And, it's, and what he's saying is special unto me. You're going to be special unto me. You're not for everybody else. You're not for everybody else. You're peculiar. You're special unto me. You have a relationship with me. This is a, two things here. This is a preferred relationship. Write that down. A, this is a, this is a preferred relationship. He says, he says in, in Exodus you shall be a peculiar treasure in First Peter. Now, see where there's a, there's a parallel here. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, now the word holy, now the word holy there means set apart. It means kind of like the holy grail. It was only to be used by the king. That's what holy is. Some people have the idea that holy is, is you gotta, you got to wear a tie and ladies can't wear no makeup and all of that. I think if you need it, slap it on. Say amen. <laughs> I, I don't have no issue with that whatsoever. Amen. <laughs> do what you got to do. Amen. But don't think because you don't wear makeup and your hair is touching the floor that that makes you holy. I don't have anything to do with holiness. Now, I, I do believe holiness will reflect in your appearance. I believe, I believe all that. But some people have totally missed what holiness is and what being holy is. It means being set apart. It means for the master's use. And, and you are a holy nation, a peculiar people. God wants a special relationship with you. Now, this means, this means that you cannot treat you cannot treat everybody the same. Or he doesn't treat. Now, listen, I, I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ladies in here, but there's only one for me. She's special. 
She's peculiar. Uh, 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 she, she can get things from me. Have y'all not been listening to anything I've said tonight? Now, I've done gave the definition of this word, all right? I love you, darling. Do y'all get the point? Do you, know, do you know that the Bible says that God is a jealous God? Now, I wonder how he feels. Now, darling, let's, let's have a quiz. If I started flirting with some the women in this church, how would you feel about that? Not too good. Would you take offense to that? Would you explain that to me? You probably would. <laughs> How does God feel when we flirt with the world? You see, we're the bride of Christ. And and God wants us to understand we're special. We can't, we can't be and do what we used to be and do. We're special. We have, a, we have a preferred relationship. He chose us. How many, how many are excited of the fact that God prefers to be with you? Amen. Isn't that great? You remember, you remember in school, <clears throat> you remember in school, when you you know when you we was young and and, and it was that you, you first started having that having that 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 uh, deal with, with with this girl likes this boy or this boy likes this girl you remember you remember the, the one of the first times you found out somebody else liked you especially if they was pretty <laughs> you remember how you felt because somebody on this planet thought you were special. How flattering that was. Oh, how that made you feel on the inside. And you know, even if they was ugly, they still made you feel good. <laughs> how, how must we feel to know the God of all glory, the one who created this world, prefers you and wants to be with you? Wants to fellowship with you. Wants a relationship with you. To know my wife desires to be in my presence and to have a relationship with me and spend time with me. Man, that's cool and that's awesome. But think about the God of all glory who spoke this world into existence. He wants to hang out with you. A preferred relationship. See, this is not about being religious. This is not about having a feel-good feeling. God wants you to know him. And it's a preferred relationship. Then, then B, then B. Not only is it a preferred relationship, it's a privileged relationship. It's a, it's a privileged relationship. You see, he said a kingdom of priests. The priest, and I touched on this a little bit last week, and, and, and I don't want to rehash so much of it, but the, the, the priest had an incredible privilege in, in three, three areas. If you look on your notes, you find them 
They had a privileged anointing. They had a privileged anointing. Uh, we studied in, in, in Bible study class, or excuse me, uh, Bible college. Uh, Dr. Brown took one whole class and talked about the anointing oil and all of the, the different chemicals, all the different components and, and all the things that went into the anointing oil and what it represented. And man, it was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. And nobody was allowed to have that anointing oil on them except for the priests. It was a privilege. It was set apart. Nobody was allowed to have it but the priests. And they would anoint the priests uh, with that oil representing who they were and who they represented. And do you realize we have a privileged anointing? Yeah. And in 1 John, it talks about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize the day you got saved that the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon you and your teacher and your guide and your comforter, uh, the Lord, listen, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon you to be your guide and your teacher and your comforter and, and listen, your protector, your convictor. Are you with me? Amen. We have a privileged anointing. We have a privileged apparel. You see, the priests got to wear the apparel that, that was uh, reflect. And by the way, by the way, if you will study, if you will study the stones in the vesture of Lucifer, some of, some of you don't understand who Lucifer is. Lucifer was Satan before he was cast out. And there were three named archangels in the Bible. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Michael was the angel of might and power and war. Gabriel was the messenger angel. How many times do we see God sending Gabriel to deliver a message? You know, uh, uh, to Mary and to Zechariah, uh, 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 I am the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I am here to deliver a message. That's why many people call Gabriel's trumpet. They believe Gabriel's going to blow the trumpet. He's the messenger angel. But then there was the, the angel of majesty. Michael, the angel of might, uh, Gabriel, the messenger angel, then the angel of, of, of majesty and worship. That was Lucifer. Lucifer's responsibility and job was to stand in the presence of God. And if you will study the stones and the vesture that reflected the glory of God, all he was there was to stand and reflect the glory of God, reflect the glory of God and the majesty of God. Do you realize it was the same, same that was in the vesture of the high priest? How many of y'all have seen in pictures the high priest in, in, the, in the square vesture in the stones that were there? What, what was the high priest's privilege to reflect the glory of God? Guess what your privilege is? When Satan fell, God made a man to reflect his glory. When the priesthood, man, I'm, I'm about to get happy. When the priesthood fell in God's purpose, God called the church. And when, are y'all getting this? Why do you think Satan hates you so much? 
You took his job. Reflecting the glory of God. You know on them full bright moonlit nights, we say, oh, look how bright the moon is. It's not shining at all. It's reflecting the glory of the sun. What a privilege we have to to, to wear and reflect and be a part of God's glory. Listen, privileged anointing, a privileged apparel, a privileged activity. And I'll stop right there on that one. And we'll, we'll, catch, up, we'll catch up on the last point on that one right there. All right? Uh, number three, number three. Oh, we got plenty of time. Good job. Uh, what was number one? What was number one? Okay, does everybody get that one? Everybody know what God done for us? He, he defeated our enemy. He delivered us. He's carrying us. All right. Uh, number two, he, uh, we see what? How many of y'all understand that God didn't save you, just saved you? He saved you to have a relationship with you. Right, does everybody understand that? Now, let's, let's one more review. Uh, what did I say God wanted you to know throughout this whole lesson? God wants this world to know him. Say that with me. Say it again. Okay, when I ask you that in a minute, that's what I want you to say, all right? Say it again. All right, number three, number three. Uh, uh, what is number three? I bet it's good, amen. All right, number three, the revelation. The revelation that's encouraged. The revelation that's encouraged. There's two things I want you to see here. And this is going to be an eye-opener for some folks in here tonight. Some of y'all need to get saved tonight. I'm going to just tell you that right now. Some of y'all need to get saved tonight because you have A down pat, but you've never moved into B tonight. So with that being said, what's A? What, does, what, did, what was the purpose of... God bringing this group of people out of Egypt. Now they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, and God's coming to meet with them. Okay, what was the purpose? First we see an experience with God. Write that down. A, we see they had an experience with God. Verse 9, And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in the thick cloud, and that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. All right, now go back, go back to verse number 3. Verse number 3. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. They had an experience with God. They experienced the plagues. They experienced the Red Sea. They experienced the manna. They experienced the water from the rock. Uh, are y'all with me? They seen stuff God was doing. Experience. The word experience means a practical knowledge. There are tons of people that go to church every week all over this world 
who have somewhat of a practical knowledge of God. Before I got saved, I knew every book in the Bible. Before I got saved, I was helping my Sunday school teachers pronounce the names of people in the Bible. Before I got saved, I could quote a ton of the Bible. Y'all keep hearing what I'm saying? Before I got saved, I had a practical knowledge of God. You could just about ask me anything that you want to ask me about God, and I could just about tell you. I had an experience. I would would see what God would do when I went to church. I would see when people got happy. I would see when people got saved. I would see when people got delivered. I would see when people uh, uh, that were once drunks would, would change their life when God touched them. I had experience with God. I was very familiar with God. I was kind of like Samuel. Uh, in, in 1 Samuel, the Bible says that Samuel grew up in the church, and when God came to meet with him and came to call him, it says he did not yet know the Lord. He was working for him. But all he had was a practical experience, a practical knowledge of God. Now, they were familiar with his hand. They were familiar with his touch, they were familiar with his power. They saw the flies, they saw the darkness, they saw the devastation of the death angel. Uh, they saw God uh, split the Red Sea. They saw God destroy the enemy. And, and, but God wanted more. God wanted more. What's that? Look in, verse, look in verse 17. Look in verse 17. You there? Say amen. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to to meet with God. The word meet there means face to face. What's the point? The point is this. Many people have had an experience with God, but they've never had an encounter with God. It wasn't enough to see him split the Red Sea. It wasn't enough to see his hand in Egypt. It wasn't enough for all of that. God wanted more. He did not want them just to see what he could do. He wanted them to see him. Him. You see, it's not about what you can get from God. God wants you to get him. Too many Christians in society today has made God a sugar daddy. And we get upset when we get upset when the sugar runs out. We get upset when he doesn't do what we think he needs to do for us because we've treated him like a bellhop and we've treated him like a a magic genie that that when I get into trouble, he gets me out. When I have an issue, he solves it for me. Uh, When I have a need, he provides it for me. But God is saying, will you call on me when you don't need nothing? See, he, 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 he's wanting you to move from seeking his hand and power to seeking his face in relationship. Amen. He brought them out to meet with God. To meet with God. I had the verses in there, but if you keep reading, something, something terrible happened. Something, something that withheld them. They got to the mountain 
and they saw, there was limitations there, I'm not going to go into all the details, but they saw the lightning, they saw the power, they, they heard it. They, it was just this incredible sight when God came down upon the mountain, and it was very intimidating, it was very impressive, and, and, and they feared, and the Bible says that they backed away. When God wanted them to meet with him and encounter him, uh, they backed away. And the Bible says, and Moses turned and went into the thick cloud where God was. <coughs> I want to illustrate this. <coughs> there's so many people, there's so many people that go to church every week. <coughs> how, many, how many of you, how many of you, well, if you're <coughs> older uh, and, and before Gerber, baby food and all that stuff, uh, uh, how many of y'all remember the times when, when, when mothers would take the food on their plate and they, like green beans, and they'd chew it up, chew it up, chew it up, and then they'd take it out and, 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 and feed it to the baby? Pablum, you know, take it out and, 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 and make, the baby couldn't do it on their own, they couldn't digest it, they couldn't handle it, so the, so the mother would take it out and chew it up and give it to them, that was for baby food and all that stuff. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? There's too many Christians today. Their sole source of spiritual food is when I come up in here and I digest it and I take it out of my mouth and I give it to you. And the only spiritual food you get and the only spiritual experience, if you will, that you get is what you get in here. But God wants an encounter. Let me illustrate it. We find Jacob, we find Jacob leaving his home. Y'all remember? He tricked his brother. He connived his brother. He was a shyster. Y'all with me? You remember? His father asked him, What is your name? My name, my name's Esau. He tricked him. Stole his brother's birthright. Now he's got to leave town because his brother's gonna kill him. Y'all with me? Great story, man. You don't need TV. This is great stuff. So here he is leaving and going to his uncle's place. And he has a dream. He has an experience with God. And it scares him to death. It scares him to death. He felt convicted. Say that with me. He felt convicted. He even called the place Bethel. Surely this is the house of the Lord. This is where God was. He felt convicted. But he kept going the same way. When he, when he got to his uncle's house, guess what? He was still conniving. He was still the same Jacob. Y'all with me? But he was convicted. When he had an experience with God, it bothered him a little bit. But now y'all know the story. He's done married. And now he's coming back. And his brother's coming. And he tries to get things in order to try to do everything he can to preserve his life because he knows his brother's going to kill him. And he has another situation with God. Now, this time, it's different. This is the experience where Jacob is wrestling with the angel of the Lord. In typology, I believe he's wrestling with God. 
and they're wrestling all night. This is not an experience now. This is an encounter. You see, the experience convicted him. But as he's wrestling with God, he's saying, bless me. He's saying the same thing he said to his father. Bless me. The angel says, I will not, or let me go. He said, I won't let you go to you. Bless me. Let me go. I will not let you go to wrestling with God. Late in the night, he says, what's your name? Same question his father asked. But you see, it's not his earthly father asking this time. There's going to come a day when you're going to have to get honest with God. Before, he said, my name is Esau, and he tricked his daddy. But somebody's got a hold of him now that ain't his physical daddy. He said, what is your name? He said, my name's Jacob. You know what he had to do? He had to confess who he was. You know what he's saying? I'm a supplanter. I'm crooked. I'm a shyster. And the Bible says he touched the hollow of his thigh. From that point on, he had a limp. You see, when you have an experience with God, you'll leave convicted. But when you have an encounter with God, you'll leave changed. You'll never walk the same. But he asked for a blessing. Guess what happened? Esau's coming with his army. Going to kill his brother. Here his brother comes. Esau sees his brother in a broken condition. And he just can't do it. He has mercy and falls on his neck. Y'all know the story. What's the point? Too many Christians are living with an experience. They've never had an encounter. You see, they said, you just go meet with him and just come tell us what he says. Moses brought the people to meet with God. To have an encounter with God. And they are afraid and they go back and they say, you just tell it. We just, you, you, you. What's the point? If the only spiritual nourishment you're getting is from what you get in here, you're going to starve to death. And you will never experience God in an encounter like he wants you to. Let me don't get, I'm not going to get super spiritual right here. Let me just, let me, let me illustrate in a real practical way. There's one thing for me to say, Lord, give me something to give you. And I can be studying and God gives me some good stuff to share. It's just like, it's just like a while ago. I'm telling you, God spoke to me to tell you God wants this world to know him. And that's great. And that's wonderful. But when I'm studying the Bible or reading the Bible or even in a message, hearing somebody else preach a message, whatever that might be, and I hear something when he speaks directly to me and it becomes real 
to me. And I feel his presence around me. You won't leave convicted, you'll leave changed. How many Christians are going in churches all over America and they leave convicted but not changed? They either leave with their conscience seared or their conscience eased, but they go out the same. Do you know why, you know why America's going to hell? Is we're not encountering God. I, I, I see guys all the time posting on Facebook, boy, I tell you, God was in the house. He was in man, please. You look all through the Bible and look where God showed up. When God showed up, they shut up. When, when Jesus showed up to John on the, on the Isle uh, of Revelation and, and the Isle of Patmos there, the Bible said, now this is the same John who would lay his head on the, on the breast of Christ. He, he was so close and had such a close relationship with Jesus. He was some claim, uh, you know, that he was the favorite disciple. He had a close relation, but when he saw the resurrected Lord, the Bible says he fell at his feet as dead. I'm, I'm afraid that most churches, uh, it, they, they, they couldn't handle it if God showed up. But oh, how we need him to. How we need him to. God wants you to have an encounter with him. When's the last time you know he spoke to you? When's the last time you had a real, sure enough encounter with God? Lastly, number four. Give me number one back. Give me number one back. Come on now. Number two. Number three. Number four. I want you to see the responsibility that's established. What, what did God tell me to tell y'all tonight? Oh, y'all got bad memories as I do. Come on, say it. Now, how are they going to know him? How are they going to know him? Second, or 1 Peter 2, 9. Here's our original verse. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, read it with me that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Psalms 107, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When's the last time you say so? Whom he hath redeemed, are you redeemed? I said, are you redeemed? Amen. Say so. Amen. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Psalms 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. 
Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a psaltery and harp. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with a high sound and cymbals. Let everything, say it with me, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Read it again. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Give him praise. I had that down before God ever spoke to me about what he said. And then it all came together. The whole purpose, now, now put your stuff down, y'all flittering, flattering, and I can't put it all down. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. There's nothing else to write. Nothing else to write. Look at me. Look at me. All right. God took a group of people out of bondage and slavery and brought him to himself. Carried him to himself. Now you see you got a whole other world out there, a whole group of people. And he says, now look, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go out there and represent me. And I need all of who I made, all of my creation, the whole world. I want them to know who I am. Every ceremony, every ordinance, every law, every responsibility, go all through Leviticus, all about the temple, all everything reflected who God was. And everything in the temple and everything God gave them pointed them to Jesus. Why? God wants this world to know him. They messed up. They started messing around in the world. Instead of reflecting and showing forth the praises of him who called them out of darkness into his glorious light, called them out of Egypt, y'all with me? They started acting just like the world. Now God says to the church, you and me, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar people. And God did all of that so you could go forth and show the praises of him. Have you done that lately? Has the world out there saw you praise the God you serve. When's the last time the world out there heard you praising God for what God did for you? That's our job. Oh, but I, I, I praise Him when we sing. That's not where we're supposed to do it. That's just one part. We have to take this
Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Amen? Amen. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him around sinners. Let's praise Him when things don't go well. You see, because it's not necessarily about what He's done. It's about who He is. He ain't done nothing for me lately. Yeah, he has. You breathing. Last time I checked, you in here, you breathing. Let everything that hath. You know what? It just dawned on me. Animals breathe too. It's a shame that they outdo us. Now think about this. Didn't Jesus say, this is Jesus' words. Didn't Jesus say, the sparrow, God the Father takes care of? You don't think they know where it comes from? Let everything, not every person, let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. We have, we have been created in the image of God. How much more should we praise the Lord? How powerful would our witness be if we just praised Him? We don't have to get a Bible and run out on the street and jump on the corner and say, get your Bible, I'm going to preach to you. You, know, you ain't got to do that. What if you was at Burger King and you just thanked God for your hamburger and just started praising God for what God has been doing lately instead of what you didn't like about the church service that Sunday? Y'all lucky we out of time. Because I started feeling the Spirit come over me. Let's praise Him. Amen? Lord, thank you.